Hello, creators. You are backstage with Patreon, where we open the curtain on how to build a thriving business on Patreon. I'm Brian Keller from the Creator Success Team. And today, we're bringing you another concentrated dose of creator insights from a live event hosted for Patreon creators. This one is from our workshop series called Hot Topics, where we tackle the spicy and timely issues at the heart of being a professional creator. This workshop dove into doubt, how to recognize, handle, and thrive in the face of uncertainty. We get into how to shift to a positive mindset, commit to your craft and well-being, and stay accountable along the way. Special thanks to the event's organizer and host, Posadas. So let's get started on Backstage with Patreon and go back to the beginning for our amazing creator guests as well, when they first experienced doubt in their work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We can go all the way back. We can go super back, if you like. Probably, like, the first real instance I can think back in, like, my musical journey or my professional career. That's Ben Miller, also known as Recognize, who has diverse musical talents and endeavors. I am a musician, producer, performer. I've been a Patreon creator since 2019. Um, I'm most known for being one of the lead vocalists in a band called Mayday. We're like a hybrid hip-hop, reggae, folk rock. We kind of do a lot of different music genres in one band. And then I also do solo work as well. I'm known as a solo MC. And Doubt for Him started close to home. When I got around the age that I, you know, maybe about seven, eight, nine years old, thinking, ah, oh, like, my dad looks so cool doing what he does. And like, I really want to be a part of that. I want to make music too. Um, my dad struggled a lot with trying to break into the music industry. He never really like attained commercial success. He still makes music to this day. He enjoys it. He gets joy out of it, but he never really found a commercial wave that he could ride. So when I came around the time that I was, you know, approaching 10 saying, oh, well, yeah, I want to be just like you, dad. My dad's first reaction wasn't so much to like deter me from doing it, but he just wanted to really stress to me how hard it was to do it as a profession. So the first thing I was met with was, yeah, that's cool. You want to do it too, but you should just know that it's difficult for the, all these reasons, you know? For other creators, doubt might start when taking your creative talent to a more serious level. I went to one of those British drama schools that really sort of breaks you down and recreates you into a new person. That's, that's wonderful, fantastic training at East 15 Acting School. But, you know, it's the drama school that you imagine in your head, kind of, you know, strict teachers that none of them were Russian. But, you know, in my head, they had Russian accents and I was like, stand up straight, you know, all this stuff. So one of my um, one of my fellow classmates was being asked to play a scene and he was finding it difficult. And he said, um, I'm just uh, just not very confident. That's Abigail Thorne. She, her, who creates Philosophy Tube on YouTube and Patreon, which teaches philosophy in a fun, theatrical way. So it's no surprise her doubt origin story starts in the academic theater setting. And um, the head of the course said, confidence is bullshit. Confidence is bullshit that is used to sell self-help books. What you need is entitlement. Have you done your character research? Have you learned your lines? Do you know your objective in this scene? If the answer to those questions is yes, then you are entitled to take the stage and the audience's time. If you have not done those things, then you are a professional actor and you know what you need to do to get ready. So if you're ready, you're entitled, take the stage and do it. If you're not ready, go away and work. 
There's no confidence. Confidence doesn't come into it. Either you're entitled to it or you're not. And I'll always remember that. It was a very kind of powerful moment. And uh, he, he went on stage and he was a fantastic Macbeth and he did a great job. And he was one of the people in my year who, who was really kind of forever changed by drama school. His personality really was reconstituted pretty much in that moment. It, it was a, a very powerful experience and I'll always remember that. And Abigail has turned that insight into a keen awareness now of how to evaluate if her videos meet the exacting standards she has for her art. In the last few years, I've, I've tried to have three criteria for when I'm happy with a video. And if it fulfills those three criteria, then I go, okay, I'm going to leave. It doesn't matter what the feedback is, doesn't matter what the, um, what the numbers it did. It's, it's about these three criteria and they are, was it made from curiosity, not ambition? Did I make it out of compassion for myself and others? And is it my unique creative vision? And if it fulfills all of those three, then I'm happy with it. But doubt will inevitably rear its head along the way as a creator. What are the tactics that Abigail and Ben have developed to tame doubt before it gets overwhelming? Every time I make a video, I do a post-mortem live stream on YouTube and I talk about the feedback that I received. And I talk about this, I, I talked about this issue in the post-mortem live stream and I, I thanked some of my some of my subscribers for writing in and telling me that and I thought you know what I don't think it has ticked all three of my criteria off even though it, it did really well could have had more compassion for others one of the biggest ones for me is external forces so um when I sit in the studio it's just me if I'm with the band it's just me and the band but um when we're making the music we're not we're not on you know we're not online we're not going through the comment boxes we're not looking at past comments of other songs we're just in that moment making that piece of art at that particular time and the best most pure creations we've ever i've ever been a part of are always when you have those external forces completely blocked out all creators aren't going to have a perfect record they're going to struggle at times it's all about how you handle those inevitable setbacks. You fail a bunch and you survive and you keep creating. You know, I, I remember a couple of years ago, I released a video and it bombed. YouTube tells you when, um, tells you out of 10, how well your most recent video did. And um, it was, that was uh, down at number 10, it bombed. I, I worked really hard on it. I did, you know, put all my heart and soul into it, ticked all three criteria and it still, uh, it still just crashed and, and, you know, people weren't interested. And I was really disappointed. In fact, I was so anxious and disappointed that I sort of curled up on the floor. I wanted to be sick. Um, but, you know, you survive. And uh, you fail a bunch and you survive a bunch and then and you keep trying and you succeed a bunch and then you keep failing a bunch and you just sort of get used to it, really. <laughs> you realize that, you know, things don't get that bad. I've seen people, especially in music, fall out of the game completely because they get so shut down that then they miss that next opportunity that goes right by their face because they're feeling so sorry for themselves at that moment. This is especially challenging as a creator now when you have a public audience, when you have your audience and comments as well as reactions and content made about you. If somebody is coming at me with uh, abuse or aggression, then I, I have like a total zero tolerance policy for that, just completely block it. Um, if they're criticizing me for, for who I am or how I was born, then again, total zero tolerance, that goes. Um, also, I, this is a little bit of a controversial rule, but I don't, I, if somebody makes a YouTube video about me, I don't watch that video. Even if, and I'm aware that sometimes I miss out on like really good constructive criticism because of that. 
But I'm like, you know what? If you're making this as a piece of content for your audience, then I don't think I can like fully trust that you are like totally being constructive about this. And um, if somebody misunderstands what I say and gets angry, then really they're upset at the at the thing they've created in their head, their own misunderstanding. So really like the fault and the mistake and the harm is with them, not with me. Um, so I, I'm trying to get better about just sort of um, sort of letting that go. Really, um, if somebody's not coming at me with constructive feedback, then I can go, okay, well, there's plenty of people who will, and by listening to them, I get better. But by listening to people who come at me with unconstructive feedback, I only make myself sadder, which doesn't help me get better. Ninety-five percent of the comments you're going to read online are coming from a place of projection. They're coming from people's experiences, whether good or bad, um, for better or for worse. So I found that. Going over the years, um, you have to really, I have artist friends who always read the comments and I have artist friends who never read the comments. And you have to identify, like, I feel like it's a good, it's good and it's, you can do it either way and, and either way is fine, neither way is wrong. But um, you have to identify within yourself, am I the person that can grow a thick enough skin to, to take negative feedback or take even, you know, disrespectful comments without completely folding in or having it disrupt your creative process? Or am I the kind of person that goes, no, I'd rather just pretend like that's not even there and let me not go into that section. Um, and then you can operate how you feel you want to operate from there. Um, I found a lot of times that another thing that I try to keep in mind is the you can read 50 positive comments. Oh, that new thing you did. Amazing. It's so great. Changed my life. Oh, it's wonderful. And then one person comes in and goes like, you're ugly. Or just has something completely like unrelated, unconstructive, whatever it is. And then you go, oh, my video was terrible. Or, oh, you know, and it, it, it completely breaks you down. And I always try to remind myself, those, the letting that get you is, is, such a, is such a trick. You know, it's a, a trick the devil plays where it's like, why did that one negative comment have more power than 20 or 50 positive comments? So I always try to, like, you know, feel almost defensive to not let that mechanism click in because, that negative comment is one comment that is, is probably not even really related to the work. And 50 people before that loved the work and said all this great stuff. So how can you build not just the reactive tactics, but a doubt-resilient creative practice? So I find that having more than one creative outlet really helps stave off burnout. And, and also, um, I've, I guess I've gotten to know my mind and my body fairly well over the last 10 years as a creative. And so I know when I am too close to the edge. And I know when I'm burning the candle at both ends and I need to kind of ease up a little bit. Often what I find helps is uh, walking, you know, just walk, just as something as easy as just walking away uh, for a minute. Uh, for years, I used to tell people just fight through it. And then I started to find that I had long stretches where I, I, I didn't really feel a proper burnout. And um, when I did fi like finally start to feel those feelings, I found it was better to either walk away completely and do something radically different. Whether like, you know, sometimes people take for granted that creating involves some sort of fuel that you need to put in the tank, which is living life in general. You know, you can't just create all the time without at least going out and seeing something or doing something or, you know, just even as something as simple as going into the into the city or downtown or wherever and just people watching, kind of seeing what's going on around you. You find inspiration if you just stop for a minute. And both Ben and Abby emphasize that you have to be assertive and adapt when inevitably there will be times where you are being pushed out of a space where you deserve to exist. So um, listeners who weren't already aware, I'm trans. And um, in my country, the entertainment industry is entirely dominated by cis people. Uh, every 
director, every producer, every reviewer is cis, um, every TV and film commissioner, every head of every newspaper and production company, it's entirely cis people. It's very, very common to go to see a play in the West End or to turn on a TV show or a film and the entire cast will be cis. And that's so thorough that a lot of cis people don't even notice it. So it's it's very tough sometimes. And, and there are, some people are shocked to hear this, there are theatres and people in TV and film who, in my country, do just refuse to work with me because I'm trans. I mean, the, the people who, who've shut me out previously haven't come back yet, but I have found that building my own audience has uh, has opened new doors. So my play that I wrote last year uh, succeeded, um, or did, did very, very well, in large part thanks to my YouTube audience. And the success of that has gotten new people involved. So you know, now I'm talking to producers who are like, oh, hey, we saw how well you did. Like, tell us about this. The genre that I'm, I'm primarily in is hip hop. Hip hop's not an old genre compared to the, all the others. So what, you're experience, what we're experiencing now as a 40-year-old hip hop artist is ageism is kind of a thing, you know, when it comes to hip hop. A lot of times it's a very young art form. People haven't seen, um, ne- people are only now just starting to see artists entering their 50s, 60s, even o- up to their 70s. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird space to be in because uh, the genre is so primarily like jazzed up by a younger audience. So then when you get to middle age and start to turn that corner, it's you, you, I've had a weird battle with like, do I have to change what I'm doing or how I look or like these things all like also feed into that doubt cycle when you're online because, you know, I've been on the road and, and people have met us, loved our show and then gone after like, how old are you anyway? And I'm like, well, I'm 35. And they go, 35? And I'm like, what? What's wrong with that? You know, so it's like the, 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 the ageism thing has is, is been a big like feeder of doubt uh, for us approaching these later years because um, it, it's unprecedented in that genre. So I, I, I find like, again, closing off from those windows and just being like, I just make work and I just make art and music that I feel that I love. And, and some aspects of that music might not be the trendiest, but that's not really why I'm making it. I'm making it because it moves me. And, and I, if you enjoy it, then come on, hang with me. And that's cool. You know, and if you don't, that's fine, too. It's, it's all good. So, you know, that prevents any of those roadblocks from building up the, the creative process. Doubt is a reality for creators from the early commitment to pursuing your art as a career to the ongoing need to stay centered and deal with the external and internal challenges along the way. Abigail and Ben shared their best practices to have clear principles for what you publish, find balance through multiple creative outlets, and commit to coming back stronger after you fail, and embrace your identity even when there's pushback from the status quo. Thanks so much to them for sharing their vulnerable stories and well-earned insights. Check them out at PhilosophyTube and Recognize on Patreon and other platforms. And you can learn about upcoming workshops and catch up on previous events from creatorhub.patreon.com. Tune in next week to Backstage with Patreon, when we'll have Hunter Thomas, co-founder of Foundation Disc Golf. They're a physical and online retailer of gear and apparel for the sport of disc golf. And we dig into the experience of running a membership business at the intersection of passionate fans in a fast-growing sport and blending retail sales and content creation. To catch every episode of Backstage with Patreon, follow or subscribe in your podcast app and leave us a review. We also have transcripts available at patreon.com backstage. You're growing as a creator by listening to the show. 
So why not share the insights from this episode with another creator on Patreon or who is running a creative business? We'd love to have you as an active collaborator with Backstage with Patreon. Come join the discussion in the Patreon Creator Discord. Follow the link in the episode notes and you can get answers to your follow-up questions directly from the guests and weigh in on what topics we'll be covering next. Editing by Tyler Morissette. I'm Brian Keller. See you next time backstage.